this morning on The Blessed Life. You know, Dave started off the new year talking about we are more than able. We are well able to do. You know, John 10.10 is a scripture that we're all familiar with. And it says, the thief, which is Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come to give life and life more abundantly. God's plan for us, his kids, is abundant life. It's the blessed life. You know, so right now today, I just want to outline some keys to us as people, as his children, to encourage us as we move and make our way through the journey called life. You know, just before Christmas, I um, needed to do some work on my computer. So I thought, I'm going to be really ahead of myself here and make sure it's all charged up, ready for the morning. So that night, I got my laptop, I got my charger, I popped my charger in, went to bed, and I thought, perfect. It's going to be fully charged in the morning so I can just get around and I can do what I need and I don't have to be attached to a charger at the end of the laptop. So anyway, the next morning, I get up and I go downstairs and I open my laptop, press it on, and there's no charge. It's not turning on. And I'm like, and I'm looking and laptop was plugged in. And I'm like, but there's no charge. Here's the thing, I actually had the charger in the laptop, but I hadn't kind of pressed it in enough to engage the laptop and the charger. So unbeknowing to me, I'm thinking my laptop is being charged all day because it looks as if it's in close proximity to the charger. But in fact, I woke up the next morning to find out that my charger had no juice in it. It had no power to be able to get it to do what I needed it to do for that day. And do you know what? As I looked at it, I just felt the Holy Spirit said, Faye, your Christian life is sometimes a bit like that. So, hmm? And he said, yeah. He said, the thing is, proximity to my word doesn't mean anything. He said, you can have version Bible app on your phone. You can have a Bible on every bookshelf in your house. You can have a Christian parent. You can have an I Love Jesus sticker on your car, but it means nothing. The proximity means nothing that anything is going to change in your life. The only thing that's going to change you, Faye, and give you power to live your life is connecting and engaging right into me. And he said, being close to it means nothing. You've got to plug yourself in. So I was like, well, Lord, how do I do that? You know, because how do I make sure I'm plugged in? And I want to read you a scripture, which you'll be familiar with, into how we can make sure that we plug ourselves in to the power, because God is the power. God has the power. He is the power, and he wants us to live our lives through the power that he's provided. But you know what? We have got to choose to engage. So let's read together from James 1.22, and it says this. If you want to know how to engage with the power and make sure you're plugged in, which is what I asked, it says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. 
You see yourself walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, which is God's word and God's counsel, if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I don't know about you, but for my life, I don't just want the proximity of God's word around me. Because, you know, I can get by. But am I really going to be living the abundant life that God has promised? I don't want to just be satisfied with the fact that I know that I'm saved. I want to walk the rest of my days out on earth, living the life that God has promised in his word. You know, God has promised each one of us promises in his word. And he doesn't say, you can have that promise, but you can't. You can have that promise, but you can't. He doesn't do that. He's like, here you go. It's all for you. Each one of us have access to exactly the same promises that God has laid up for us, his kids. But the thing is, it comes down to us as to whether we are going to choose to run after those promises and whether we're going to do what the word of God says to see those things activated in our lives. You know, if we look at Hebrews 5.11, it says this. It says, you have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. But solid food is for those who are mature who, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. You know, God wants to see each one of us, his kids, grow and move to a level of maturity. And it's not about jumping through spiritual hoops. I mean, it's actually really simple. He says, I can't give you solid food. Why? Because you don't recognize the difference between right and wrong. We're not even talking big things here. They were bickering. They were arguing. We want this. We like him more. Da, 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 da. Like the foundations. It's not like even trying to sit a master's exam, trying to work out what the Bible is trying to ask us to do. It's like really grassroots level stuff that God's saying, do you know what? I can't even get you beyond milk. Yeah, you know that I love you. But we're not really moving beyond that into spiritual maturity because you're just not understanding. You can't even understand right and wrong. And for God, I mean, God doesn't want any of us to just stay in the same place. He's like, no, I want you to grow up. I want you to be mature. Not that it's hard, but it just is like, you know, it's like entering into the school, entering into Jesus' school, you know, and just like we send our kids to school, we've gone through an education system. You know, you just take on board and say, okay, I'll do that then. Okay, I'll do that. Jesus wants us all entering into his school saying, hey God, yeah, I'm going to do that. And like James 1.22 says, it's not about hearing. You can listen to a podcast every day of the week and you can think I got it all together. But if you don't put into practice any of the stuff you listen to, can I just suggest stop listening? No, like really, why? Why listen to something that you have no intention to put into practice? 
I'm not going to say anything for my own life now, but I will tell you, I will go back on the elliptical strider in my attic shortly. <laughs> See, I'm like it. Listen, I'm like it. Good intentions. I'll buy myself a trainer, an elliptical strider. I won't go to the gym. I don't have time. But if I go up and buy a strider, I will go on it. I'm on a bit of a pause at the moment, and, but I shouldn't be on the pause. Here's the thing, I'm prime example. By the strider, I will keep fit. The thing is you have to actually get on the strider in order to become fit. Having it in the house is not enough. I am gonna try, Monday, I'm doing it. I am, it was just like a Christmas break. We all need Christmas breaks. Okay, mine was kind of like a summer holiday from, but listen, I'm going back on Monday. But hey, I'm a prime example. I can't say anything. I know, but listen, it's the same. I'm trying to get myself sorted with exercise, but it's the same with the word of God. You can have the podcast, you can have vision, you can have concordances, you can buy Bibles, but if you don't do it, best just to say, I'll leave that for now because who, you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself into thinking that you're going to do something if you just listen to stuff and don't obey it. And I love that Jesus is really grassroots about these things. You know, so today I just want to talk about, you know, some of the things that God wants us to have in our lives, to have the keys to the blessed life. They are keys to the blessed life. So we're going to look now and we are going to look at 1 Timothy 4 verse 11 and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation and it says this it says be an example to all believers in number one what you say number two in the way that you live number three in the way that you love number four your faith and number five your purity so here in Timothy, he's talking about young people and being an example. But do you know what? We can all take this. We can all take this for us. God wants us to be believers who can be an example in what we say, in what we do, in how we live, in our love, our faith, and in our purity. And I want to say this to you. And before we begin to look at it, I want to say, you know, when we made that step to ask Jesus into our lives, that was the first step of a beautiful journey. But, you know, what we said was, Jesus, and the Romans says, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Do you know what? Lord has got a big thing to do with us being able to outwork all of this. And Lord is about, when we say Jesus is Lord, we're saying, do you know what, God? You walk this walk before us. You're not asking us to do anything that you haven't done already. We're saying, Lord, because of what you've done, I can then do what you're asking me to do because you've already lived this life. He walked in obedience. He says, I only do what the Father says me to do. I only, I only say what the Father says that I will say. I love what it says, and I'm going to jump for the guys on the scriptures. I'm so sorry. I am going to jump to Philippians 2. But I'm going to jump, guys, to verse 5. And then I'll come back to it a bit later. But it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, 
He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So he wasn't there going, hey, I'm the same as God, I'm the man. It says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. And because of that, you know, Jesus said, oh, Lord, could this cut pass from me? But be it done according to your will. Do you think Jesus wanted to deal with the flack that he had to deal with? Do you think there wasn't thoughts in his head that was like, oh, God, is there another way? Could we do it another way? But do you know what? God said, no. Jesus was like, no, Lord, I will be obedient unto death. So like when we're talking about putting the scripture into into kind of um, practice in our lives. God isn't even asking us to give our life like he did Jesus, but he's just saying, obey me. So he says this, he said, because he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's our savior, but Jesus is more than just our savior. He's not like some kind of army recruit that comes into a situation, rescues us from the travesty and then walks off and says, there, go ahead, do life on your own. No, he's savior, but he's Lord, which means he's there saying, come on, you've chosen a different direction. You've repented of sin. You're going in a different direction. And now I'm going to help you. I'm going to show you what living the Jesus way is. So it's says that that God elevated Jesus and gave him the title that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when we look at this, let's not look at it saying, I ain't doing that, which is what I like doing. But you can't do that. You've got to say, no, God, you're Lord of my life. And actually he You know, when we ask Jesus into our hearts, that's what we're saying. We're saying, yeah, I know what you did. Thank you for purchasing my salvation by giving your life. But actually, I want to be in Jesus' camp. I want to do things the way that God says. I want to live that life, which is a life filled with abundance. It's not a hard life. But the thing is, it's kind of contrary to a lot of the ways that we like to do things because we've got a sinful nature. So a lot of the things that we like to do are as a result of our sin nature taking over and us saying things, doing things, acting in a certain way. And God's like, hey, let's do it a different way. Let's do it a bit different. Because if you can do it my way, there's a whole lot of blessing at the end of your obedience. So we're going to look at, just like I read Um, about being an example in all of those things. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 6, 46, because this isn't just like a contemporary church situation problem here. Obeying, it's not. It's been down through the years, through the centuries. People are people. We struggle. We struggle with sin. And because of that, we struggle with this. But this is what Jesus says in Luke 6, 46. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? 
I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me and listens to my teachings and then follows it. So this, if we listen to God's teachings and follow it, this is what Jesus said our lives will be like. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without foundation. And when the floods come and sweep down against the house, it collapses into a heap of ruin. You know, this is the reality of what our choices lead to. And we think, oh, just won't obey in that little bit, it doesn't matter. But God's like, well, no, every time you do that, you're like choosing to lay your foundation of your life on no foundation. And it means when tough times come, because it does, just because we ask Jesus into our hearts doesn't mean that we have a trouble-free life. We all will face stuff. But we need to make sure that our life is anchored on the right foundation. So we're going to look, just like I said from Timothy, we're going to look at some of the areas where Jesus instructs us. Keys to the blessed life. They're not exhaustive. There's loads of them. And I would suggest taking time to find out, well, what does God say? What did he teach about? What did he say? How should I act? How should I deal with that situation? Because the beautiful thing is, is the Bible, is, it's all in there. It is like the manual for life. And we've just got to choose to read it and then, more importantly, apply it within our lives. So the first thing we're going to look at is be an example in what you say. You know, Jesus, like I said, in John 8, 28 said this, I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. What a great example. You know, this is what Ephesians 4, 29 says concerning our words. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. It's not hard, is it? Like, I'm not there thinking, right, I don't get it. Like, Jesus taught really simply. So if we want to live the blessed life, and if we want to live the abundant life with our lives anchored on a solid rock foundation, the first thing that Jesus says in relation to our words, and there are lots of things, I'm only going to pick up a few things, is don't let unwholesome talk come from your mouth. Just don't. And that can be quite hard sometimes, isn't it? Because we just get in the rut of saying things. You know, gossip is mentioned a lot in the Bible, and the Bible says don't gossip. Don't talk bad about people. If you're going to say anything, say something that is going to build them up. No, the person you're going to say things about may not be perfect. But hey, who is perfect? So like if some, I don't want people talking bad about me, but I know there's a whole lot of things that must wind people up about me. And because I'm not perfect, but I would like to think that people, when they talk about me, would choose to use words that the Bible says to use, which is don't talk unwholesomely about somebody, but use words that will benefit them. Use words that even if, even in the presence, if even if somebody's not there, okay? So if the person you want to talk about isn't there and they don't know you're talking about them, 
Here's the thing. Don't talk bad. Don't, don't, don't think, oh, God just means like in the room that I say something nice and encourage them. Yeah, yeah, you're good at that. No, he means just don't talk bad, full stop. Not like when they're not in the room, but it's like when they're in the room, when they're not in the room, anytime, just don't do it. Now, that is really easy. But that's what like the Bible talks about in Hebrew, saying, I can't even give you meat because you don't know right from wrong. Don't talk bad. I tell my kids that all the time. My parents probably told me that all the time. I don't like it. No, just don't talk bad. And the thing is, when we talk bad, we've got to examine why we talk bad. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we really need to think about why is my heart, why is the overflow of my heart saying things like that? Well, probably the overflow of your heart is saying things like that because we've put the wrong stuff in our heads. You know, and when you allow things to enter your mind, be it a conversation, be it something that you read, and you allow that to just mull around in your head, and it suddenly can become a belief system. It could be about a person. It could just be a belief system about anything. And then it drops into your heart. And the Bible says that we've got to guard our hearts because from it flows the issue of life. We've got to, what do we want to speak about? We've got to know that we're putting good things in because you can't get good things out of a bad situation. The Bible also talks about a good tree, a bad tree can't yield good fruit. It's like a bad tree yields bad fruit. Good tree yields good fruit. So it's the same for our lives. What is it that's coming out of our mouth? Because that's kind of like, like gonna be the harvest that we're gonna receive for our lives. And so we need to examine what's going in to make sure that the words coming out can be wholesome and that they're going to build people up. And I love that Philippians gives us a glimpse of the kind of things that we should be filling our minds with. And it says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, in Philippians 4 and 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Like, that's really simple, isn't it? For me, I'm like, Jesus, you don't leave me in the dark as to how I'm to do things. He doesn't say, oh, don't speak bad, but, you know, work it out. Like, no. He's like, hey, these are the things to think about. And then it says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Perhaps you've lost peace. Maybe consider why you may have lost peace. Because like clearly there it says regarding your thinking to think in this certain way. And it says imitate Jesus. And if you will, the God of peace will be with you. If a sewer floods from my mouth, I can't expect anything else than living a life that feels a bit like sewerage. Wading in sewerage. Because, you know, sometimes I think I let myself off way too easy. It's like, like I said, with the elliptical strider, I think, it's okay. I'm still going to lose a stone. I mean, it's stood up there. It's going to do something. Like, why do I kid myself? But I do. I 
do kid myself, just to let you know, I am intelligent, but I still kid myself. So just don't think, oh yeah, well, you know, we have got intelligence today. Why are you talking to me like that? I give myself excuses. I, I, I think that it's doing great wonders for my body stood up there in the attic. It will when I jump on it and begin to engage in physical exercise. But anyway, we just need to consider what we're going to speak about, what we're going to fill our minds with, so that we can be an example. Do what Jesus says. So easy. Oh, Jesus, help us. So easy. The other thing Timothy talks about is be an example in the way that you live. So this is what John, um, John 5, 19 says. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees his father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. So there you go. Jesus is the great example here. We're not going to say, oh, yeah, but Jesus, you never had to do that. You don't know what it's like. No, he had to do it. So we just got to get over ourselves, stop, stop cutting ourselves flack for our actions that we know are wrong and just say, hey, God, you did it. You asked God for strength and he strengthened you. I'm going to ask for strength too to help me through this. So this is what Philippians 2 verse 1 says. And that scripture that I read about where Jesus, about what Jesus did in his obedience is found in this passage. So I'll jump over that when we get to it. But it says this, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with one another, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. He's just saying, can you just stop the bickering and arguing here? That's what he's saying. Can we just stop it? Could we, could we just try? It's not hard. He says, don't be selfish trying to impress others. Oh, it happened in Bible times too. Look, I mean, it's kind of, part, you know, it is part of parcel of things. My car's bigger than your car. I went da 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 da, da. You, you know, social media, Instagram, all of that stuff is all about look at me. And can I just say with these things, just reading articles about how social media is majorly impacting people's mental health and well-being because they're looking at everybody that seems to has the... And they think, well, I haven't got there. And it's really tough because there's a massive disconnect. And we kind of forget that what we're seeing is fabricated anyway and manufactured. But we forget that. But then we're surprised then when we're feeling low on ourselves. Can I just say, it's not great. You know, it can really impact. And if you're thinking, why am I feeling so low? Why do I feel life is so tough for me? Maybe just have a look and just see, do you know what? Am I just watching what looks like the perfect life on other people and judging my life against theirs. Because I tell you, it can really mess people up. It really mess people up. They say that like 50% of teenage girls that this, um, have got social media going on, they're struggling. Like it's 50% more likely that a girl will have depression. You know, it's, it's like really real. That's why Jesus is like, focus on your race, focus on your lane. But we don't, we like to like, what thing do we And actually by being the little nosy neighbor peeking over the fence, which is what Instagram and Facebook and everything is really, isn't it? It's the peeking over the fence. What are they doing then? 
And in peeking over the fence, we get more consumed about their lane than our lane. And it can just knock us off guard. Some of you may be great with it, but if you're not, just maybe consider that. But anyway, it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take care. Take an interest in others too. And then verse 12 says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And here you go. Am I doing it on my own? No. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You know, Jesus, when he left earth, God sent the Holy Spirit. And he is here to enable us and to help us and to help us do all of this because we struggle. It's called a mankind kind of thing. We all struggle and God knows that we struggle. And he says, I'm going to send somebody. But the thing is, when we're alive to Christ, we begin to feel a bit... I shouldn't maybe have said that. Why? Because it's God at work in us to will and to do his good pleasure. So that's, and it says, oh, yeah, this is a great one. I got, I got so much to learn. But I get really excited when I read the Bible because it's like, I know what I've got to do. I know where I'm missing the mark. And I don't feel like it's a heavy weight. But I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Help me with this. So this is what it says in verse 14. Do everything without um, complaining or arguing. I don't think the British nation knows that. I don't think they do because, like, when I was in work, I um, did training, and they said, like, nation, Britain is known as a nation of complainers and grumblers. We complain about the weather. It's too cold, and then they get the sun. Oh, it's too hot. Oh, it's too hot. We just have it. But actually, we don't have to be living in this kingdom anymore because we have been brought into the kingdom of light. So we may live in a nation that's really negative, but we don't have to act like the negative nation that we live in. And Jesus, well, not Jesus, but Philippians says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright stars. No, it doesn't say that at all. I made that up. Shine, look. Sorry, it doesn't say that. It says shining like bright lights. Shining like bright lights in the world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly what to Hold firmly to my favorite magazine. Hold firmly to my phone to ring my friend. No, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. That's why we hold on to the things of God, because he's got great things for us. He doesn't want to see us limping in, you know, as we come to the end of the thing and like, well, how? Well, I believed in you, Jesus, but actually I didn't put the rest of the Bible into practice at all. He doesn't want us limping in like that. But that's all down to choice. That's not down to God. So if we do come limping in on our race, it's because along the way, we didn't make some great choices. 
about things. Now, God knows that stuff happens. We all have stuff happens that knock us. But actually, the foundation things, these kind of things, we, even in the midst of being battered, like the Apostle Paul was on all sides, we can still choose the code that we live by, even in the midst of difficult situations. Okay, so it says, be an example in love. But to you who are willing to listen, here we go. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. This is Luke 6. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone, someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try and get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do unto you. And if you only love those who love you, like what credit is that? Even sinners know how to love one another. And if you only do good to those who do good to you, like what, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that. And if you only lend to those who can repay you, again, even sinners do that. But this is what the word says, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them. Then your reward in heaven will be great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Oh, this is another good one I got to learn a lot from. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Don't condemn others or it will all come back to you. You know, if like you think, why are they all so like, why is that? I feel condemned. Probably you sowed it. You probably did it to somebody else because it says here, don't condemn others or it will come back against you. But forgive others and you'll be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will be returned, into you full, um, be t returned to you full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into the lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That's in blessing, but that's also in judgment. Because judgment's in the same thing. It's just not talking about all the good stuff. You want to sow bad stuff? Hey, 30, 60, 90, or 100. I don't know, but it's coming back. So for me, I'm just like, Jesus, I don't want bad things to happen. So I've got to stop judging people. I've got to stop criticizing. I've just got to make sure. And it's really simple. Well, it's not simple, but it, it is. Like, it's there. So we don't need to forget it. So yeah, so God says, think about those things. Time is running out now, so I don't have time to talk about the other things. But do you know what? I think you're getting the picture. I think we all get the picture that God has a blessed life laid up for each one of us. And like I said, his promises are for each of us. And they're promises of protection, they're promises of blessing, they're promises of provision. James says, every good and perfect gift comes from him everything. He's, he wants to give us so much. He just needs us to engage. He just needs us not to be just listeners and say, oh, that was so good. Oh, I read that scripture about the marvelous. And then like do something completely opposite when we put the Bible down. But Jesus like, no, I need you to engage. And we're not always going to get it right. He knows that. But also he's like, will you at least try to engage? Will you at least try to do this? And it's not for God's benefit that he outlines any of this stuff. It's for our benefit. 
This is all for us. Just like Luke 6, 6 said, this is all so that we are going to build on a strong foundation. This is so that when tough seasons come, when tough times come, which they do, that our house isn't going to go because it was built on an unstable foundation. Well, in fact, it says you built it on no foundation. God's only asking us to do this because he loves us so much. And he wants to see our lives go from strength to strength, from glory to glory. I just want to leave you with one last scripture with regards to the Holy Spirit. And it's from John 14, verse 25 from the Amplified, because we all know it's tough. That's why the Bible says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Like God knows we're kind of running in opposite directions if we're left to our own devices. But God also says, hey, I, I can still help you. I can, you can still follow my way. And it says this in John 14, I have told you these things while I am still with you. But the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. And he will help you remember everything I told you. There you go. The Holy Spirit's in this with us. He says, why do you keep forgetting the things that I'm telling you? But he's like, hey, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to help you remember. Peace I leave you. My perfect peace I give to you. And not as the world gives do I give. So don't let your heart be troubled. Nor let it be afraid. But let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Lord, we thank you that today you want our lives to flourish and grow. You want them to go from strength to strength. Lord, and you're not asking a lot from us. You just say, obey. You just say, do what I've asked you to do. So Lord, in this place, we need your help. In areas of our lives, we all need your help. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you will help us not just be listeners of your word, but doers also. Lord, we want your word dwelling richly in our lives. Lord, and we want our lives to respond and follow your way. So Lord, help us today in Jesus' name. And Lord, if there's anybody here today, and maybe they're like, do you know what? I didn't even know that there was a Jesus that loved me the way he loves me. I didn't know that God's not angry with me, but in fact has plans to give me a really good life. If you're here today, you know, Jesus is just a simple prayer away. And it would be my privilege right now to lead you to Jesus, my best friend. So if you're here today and you say, do you know what? I'm probably fed up of being ruler of my own life because I make a lot of mistakes doing it. And you say, I do need Jesus to become Lord of my life. Then why don't you pray this prayer after me and say, Jesus, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you 
that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I've fallen short. But thank you that Jesus is my way to salvation. Oh, 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 oh